Charles Dickens' novel, Our Mutual Friend, is a study in the embarrassment of riches and how those riches display the relative poverty of spirit of the various characters. Some of those characters are rich, yet they demonstrate a tremendous humility and are shown to be poor in spirit. Likewise, some of the lead characters are materially poor, but prove to be spiritually proud. The two pairs of lead characters both show that they are willing to abandon the riches they have for love and justice. On the other hand, the leading antagonists, though poor, find themselves in pursuit of prideful wealth that they believe that they deserve and they ruin themselves. Even in the secular novel, the reader sees that our relative material standing is nothing compared to our attitude about what we deserve in life and what is best for us to pursue. Tonight we'll be looking at Matthew 5.3, found on pages 809 of the Pew Bibles. We're picking up where our brother Dan left us last uh, month with the first of Jesus' teachings in his Sermon on the Mount. Let's read Matthew 5.3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Tonight we'll look at how this verse tells us that the kingdom of heaven belongs to those whom God blesses with humility and obedience. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is his first recorded teaching, and it serves to provide a series of markers by which he distinguishes the kingdom of God. This kingdom is marked off as spiritual and contrasted with the world of sin and of false expectations of God's kingdom. The Sermon on the Mount gives us, as one preacher said, the character of God's kingdom and of those who belong to it. Jesus starts with asserting that only those poor in spirit have the kingdom of God. So what does it mean to be poor in spirit? Most basically, this spirit of poverty is one of humility and obedience, of recognizing who we are in relation to God and to others. This poverty of spirit is contrasted with one of pride and self-sufficiency. Because of sin, this poverty of spirit is is unnatural to us as sinners. As sinners, following Adam and Eve, we seek only to do what seems right in our own eyes. We do not walk humbly before God, and we think that we can sustain ourselves, that we are our own judges, and conveniently, that we are right in our own eyes. We do not want to acknowledge God in our lives. However, to be poor in spirit means that we recognize our sin for what it is, rebellion against God and deserving of his wrath. It means that we have a sense of sorrow for our sin, a desire to repent of it, to be made righteous, and to know and obey God. As Jesus says later in his Sermon on the Mount, he did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Only those who can, like the tax collector in Jesus' parable, cry out, God, have mercy on me, a sinner, have the poverty of spirit characteristic of the kingdom of heaven. So what is the kingdom of heaven that belongs to those who have a poor spirit? Most most simply, the kingdom of heaven is the rule and reign of God. God's rule and reign reflects his holiness and righteousness and his sovereign control over his creation and his judgment against sin. Now, of course, God always has and continues to rule and reign over his creation, and he always has and continues to execute his judgment over sin. 
Rather, to have the kingdom of God in this sense is to be right with, the, with this God, to be in his kingdom as sons and daughters, and not to be under his wrathful judgment. To belong to the kingdom of heaven requires us to be reconciled to God by having satisfaction made for our sins. When earlier John the Baptist was declaring that the kingdom of God is at hand, he was referring to the Messiah who would make this satisfaction for sin. And it was Jesus who would soon be baptized by John who is this Messiah. Jesus also called for repentance, declaring that his presence was the start of this kingdom of heaven. And he would soon become the sacrifice for sin required to make many sons and daughters who could have the kingdom of heaven. So it is appropriate that Jesus would begin his ministry with this Sermon on the Mount, teaching his disciples what his kingdom would be like. Being poor in spirit demonstrates that God is ruling and reigning in our heart, that even now we are part of, of his kingdom. Jesus came, as he himself said, that we may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in him. And that place that we receive is to belong to his kingdom. Finally, what does Jesus say here? Why does Jesus say here that the poor in spirit who have the kingdom of heaven are blessed? To be blessed means that we have been given these things by God and that these things are good things. They are good gifts of God's grace. Jesus says those are blessed who receive a place in his kingdom and who have received the character of that kingdom. As sinners by nature, one of the consequences of sin is that we are dead in sin and we are even blind to that fact. We cannot see or save ourselves from our sin. And remember that to be poor in spirit includes seeing sin for what it is and repenting. In giving a place in his kingdom to sinners, Jesus first must open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. Without this blessing, this gracious gift, we would remain dead in and blind to our sin with a spirit of self-righteousness. In addition, in addition, this blessing from God is personal and intentional toward those who receive it, to us. Jesus did not just preach to a crowd. He did not just broadcast a general principle. Matthew tells us that Jesus is teaching his disciples, those whom he has personally chosen and called out. This is a personal teaching to those personally chosen to be given these blessings. Whomever is blessed to be poor in spirit and to have the kingdom of heaven receives a personal and intentional gift from God. They are blessed to be known by God, to have God personally and intentionally call them to himself. So to be right with God, to be in his presence unashamed, to know and enjoy him forever, that is what God made us for. It is our greatest good and our highest purpose. And we are truly blessed for God to give this to us, to be given the character that belongs to one who has the kingdom of heaven. Next, let's think a little about how an understanding of this blessing of a poor spirit can help us in our daily lives. First, we should see that if there are those who are poor in spirit, there are those who are not poor in spirit. 
If to be poor in spirit means that theirs is the kingdom of heaven, then not to be poor in spirit means not to have the kingdom of heaven. Anyone who is not poor in spirit does not see their sin as an affront against God. They do not see that they must repent of their sin before God, and they believe that they themselves can make satisfaction for their sin. Those not poor in spirit view themselves better than they are, comparing themselves to other sin and not to the holiness of God. Remember Jesus' parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Jesus told this explicitly to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. The Pharisee's proud heart was displayed when he prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. But Jesus said it was the tax collector who cried simply, Be merciful to me, a sinner, who went down to his house justified rather than the Pharisee. If you have not considered or or confronted your sin by the standards of God's holiness as revealed in the Bible, you must realize that you are not justified before God for your sins. If you are not relying on the saving, sacrificial work of Jesus on the cross, you alone must make satisfaction for God's wrath against your sin. And if you think you are good enough or that God will overlook what your best efforts lack, then your spirit is proud and self-righteous. Rather, God's word tells you to save yourself. I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, my flesh, and that you are dead in trespasses and sins. But for those in Christ, we should praise God that by the work of the Holy Spirit, our eyes have been opened and we have been given a new heart so that we may be poor in spirit as the kingdom of heaven requires. But we are still in this body of sin. We have not fully entered into this kingdom. Later in this sermon, Jesus exhorts his disciples to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We are commanded to grow in maturity, and that includes growing in our spiritual poverty. So what can we do to grow in our spiritual poverty? First, as with all things, we should look to Jesus. Jesus gives us our great example of spiritual poverty, of humility, obedience, and of sacrifice in this world for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Paul reminds us that though Jesus was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Elsewhere, we are told explicitly to imitate Christ in this, that we should have the mind of Christ, who, taking the form of a servant, humbled himself and became obedient to death. How can we also practice being a humble, obedient servant? By dying to our sin, even to ourselves. Hebrew exhorts us to lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, looking to Jesus, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And as Paul reminds us, we are to count all things as rubbish and endure the loss of all things in order that we may gain Christ and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in him. Secondly, the Bible does not leave us in the dark about practical ways to to put on a Christ-like poverty. The Beatitudes themselves are a great place to start. We'll take a closer look at these in the coming months. They provide a template, a big picture of a Christ-like character. And for each of these Beatitudes, the Bible itself explains them, providing examples and exhortations to practice and to develop them. 
Use the coming months to reflect on and pray over how you can be mournful over your sin, meek in the face of trials, merciful, a peacemaker, and to own Christ even in the face of persecution. Finally, we can also grow in our desire for the kingdom of heaven. We need to remind ourselves of the goal of this striving, that Jesus had made a place for us among those sanctified by faith in him. We should want to be where Jesus is. So read the Bible, especially about him, about his love for us that took on so much suffering on our account. Consider all those times when those who were with him had their hearts burn within them to hear about him or to be overjoyed to be with him. Jesus has promised that where he is, we will be, and we can grow a desire for that by knowing him through the ways he has given us, reading his words and praying for his gift of the Holy Spirit to comfort us and provide communion with him. As you struggle to be poor in spirit, when you are discouraged, remember this verse from Galatians. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. The pursuit of an earthly hope will always be unsatisfying and fleeting, and in only in the poverty of the eternal punishment of God's wrath, but not the pursuit of God's kingdom. As one evangelical writer put it, the expectation of the man who has his portion in this life is continually deteriorating, for every hour brings him nearer to the loss of all his treasure. But the good hope through grace which animates the believer is always approaching its realities, and therefore grows with the lapse of time more valuable and more lively. So we can conclude by thinking about the conclusion to a life of spiritual poverty, and what is that conclusion? It is an eternal life of infinite riches to possess in full the kingdom of heaven. But this will not be an embarrassment of, of riches, for we will be perfectly fitted to possess and enjoy all the weight of glory with which we will be crowned. With such a final rest before us, how obvious should it be for us to be poor in spirit for the short time allotted to us before the judgment? Let's all pray and walk together to help each other in this. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that uh, you have sent Jesus as a humble, obedient servant, uh, born under sin, born as a man, uh, to take on sin that was not his, to be a servant of servants. Uh, and we thank you, Lord, that through him, having raised him up from the dead, uh, you have given us a spirit likewise to be humble and poor uh, in the short time that we are here. And we know, Lord, that you have prepared for us a place in heaven to be with the saints and to be with Jesus and to be like him in our glorification. We pray, Lord, that you would give us to set aside all weight, uh, all the weights of sin and temptation in this life. Give us, Lord, to always have Jesus in front of us and our eternal destiny in front of us as we face uh, all of the things that uh, would draw us away from Jesus and would try to make us proud in the things of this life and not humble. Uh, in, the, in the name of Jesus. Amen.